Today, Pastor Paul speaks on putting your faith on display by submitting to God and letting His Spirit show in your life. Good morning! It is great to see you. Hey, um, just a couple of things, a little sidebars. It's been a fun week for us. We started on Monday with, believe it or not, the world just got a little more dangerous because Lindsay got her license officially on Monday. <laughs> Man, so if you're anywhere in Riverside, stay away, okay? Um, and so we're like that. And then on Friday, on Thursday, I was supposed to go to a conference. And, and um, so we have a, a fourth car that hasn't been very dependable. And um, left Matthew stranded, and so a conference at, and it was a Thrive conference filled with church leaders, and, and then the first session was pretty good, and then the second session, after, it was like an hour and a half, so I went to go get lunch, and after lunch, I went to go get in my car, and the gas pedal didn't work. And, you know, I'm, fortunately, I'm in an empty parking lot, and this is how God protected and watched over me, and, and really made it into a not a disastrous moment. And, and so... I, I go, what do you mean the gas pedal doesn't work? I can put it in drive, and it can idle. That doesn't help. I'm in Palm Desert. It's a long way to idle to Riverside, okay? Um, and then I said, well, I do what we all do nowadays. I got on my phone, and I Googled. What happens when your gas pedal doesn't work in your car? And I said, well, you know, cable, throttle linkage. Today's job. I am not a mechanic. And um, so I decided to open up the hood of the car, and, and sure enough, I see the cable going in, and there's this little U-shaped connector that isn't attached. And I'm just going, this is not good, because I can push the gas pedal, and I can see half of it move, but the other half doesn't move. And this is a God. And so this is about a half mile, maybe even less than that, to a local target. And I said, well, maybe I can wire it shut. Maybe I can wire this little thing, clip it closed, and, and it'll be okay. And, and so I walk over to Target, and I say, well, i got to buy like a tool, because I have no tools. And so I buy one of those Leatherman things. I have the knife and the pliers and the scissors and stuff. And I buy that. And then I... Um, Walking in Target, I see a, a, a watch wristband, and I said, that would be on that particular place, and it's made of silicon, and, you know, and the cable is right above a very hot spot on the engine, so I said, well, I don't want it to melt, and sure enough, I go, and, and then I'm thinking, if I paper clip it, but I forgot to buy paper clips at Target, and, and, and believe it or not, in the stall, parking lot stall, right behind my car, there was like a pile of paper clips. <laughs> What is that doing there? I didn't see it when I walked to Target. And so now I've got a pile of paper clips, and I'm going to MacGyver this little U-shaped thing on. And so I cut the band, and I put that thing on there, and I twirl, and I twist the um, paper clip on, and, and I push the gas, and vroom, da, 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 da. it works out great. But now I've got a choice. Do I go to the rest of the conference, or do I come home? Well, not want down the freeway, it all of a sudden go all the way from... Palm Desert, and I stopped by a couple of auto stores. Neither auto store sold that part or those clips that held it together. And I get home, and it's still working fine. And the next day, Amy and I, we go to the dealership to get a part. You know, they want to sell me like half the engine. Welcome to dealers. <laughs> Welcome to dealers, right? They go, well, you can get that part, but you're going to have to buy this whole cable, this connection, this assembly, everything for that little clip. And I said, no, that's not what we're going to do. And so my friend Roger's a mechanic down in South Riverside. I took it to Roger, and he just had these little plastic clips, then a little seat washer, and it popped on right in, and it works perfectly. But, but it's, it's my story of how God watches over little moments. A lot of times we're looking for these great big miracles, right? Where, oh, God opened up the curtains, and, and it, but, you know, they're little miracles of life. And you all have them. If you walk with Jesus and you talk to Jesus and you spend time with Jesus, 
You have these little moments of just God's provision because you're her kid. You're his kid. You're his son. You're his daughter. He's adopted you. He's, he's, he's brought you into the fold. And so church, what I'm, what I'm looking for is not today, but I'm looking for you to be able to tell your story and to share your story. Because church, we're next week we have a kid's day. We have, we have another church gave us 30 guns, 30 Nerf guns we can use. Allows the church to save a ton of money buying Nerf guns. Now, I hope we get a thousand. <laughs> not real bullets. Don't worry, don't worry. I know this is Colton. You guys might think that, but that's okay. Um, so I want you to invite any young kids below, in sixth grade or below. Invite your family, invite your friends, invite your neighbors to this Nerf day. You're going to get something in the mail in the next day or two. Advertising it. There's flyers in the Welcome Center. Make sure you invite kids. We need about 30 to 40 kids in order to make it fun. We're going to have this big balloon thing where they're going to, they're going to play soccer in the grass out here. And it's just going to be fun. But it will only be a lot of fun if you bring a lot of kids. And so that's where it happens. And Trevon also talked about Easter and talked about how we need to really start praying for people to come to Easter. We really do. Easter is a great opportunity, really, really easy for you to invite your family to church. Come, and then we as a church body, our body is to capture them, connect them, love on them. Remember a couple of months ago I asked you to adopt some families? That's a great opportunity for you to say there's a stray person a stray spiritual soul that needs love, needs my attention, needs my care. You can do that. And then on Mother's Day, we're doing this thing where we're going to give out a bouquet of flowers to every woman who comes to church. Not, not just a, a, a little pink carnation, a cheap old pink carnation, but you're going to get a bouquet of flowers. You're, you're, and then, then we're going to have a photo booth where you're going to allow family photos. And we're going to give you a photo of your family right afterwards. And all of this, all of this is about you telling little stories about how God worked in your life. And I talk to somebody, I can tell them about, about my trip to Palm Desert and how God opened up the door and, and provided for me paper clips right on the parking lot floor. See, you have a story just like that too. And then from that story, it goes, you know what? I go to this great little church, this great little church in Colton. I'd love to invite you to that church. And so think about that. Please invite somebody to next week. Kids Day, we're going to have a lot of fun. The adults, we're going to have after church. We're going to have muffins. We're going to have coffee and stuff so we can... If Patricia will let us, we'll even play some of the games out there. Because <laughs> Patricia's going to have all the guns. That's why. It's gonna, <laughs> she's going to be shooting everybody. And, and so, so it's going to be a great time, but we need you to invite your friends and family. You got it? Turn with me to first year three. But, um, oh, let me do something here. I'm just going to exit this real quick. Like, um, Sorry about that. And then I'm going to open it up again. <clears throat> there it goes. Now it says First Peter chapter 3. Um, and it's called Behind Closed Doors because this is the faith. We're going to ultimately get to the spot to where, where your faith, how it's in public, you know, when you're, you're living in your community, how's your faith? That's good. It's in private. How are you doing at your office with your coworkers? But really, how does your faith interact at home when it's behind closed doors? When it's just you and your wife, you and your husband. Peter starts a letter. We're going to do a little bit of a review. Peter starts a letter. He says, it's from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Who were the apostles? Those were the people that walked with Jesus and talked with him and ate with him, watched him do his miracles, watched him walk on water. They, they sang songs with him. They engaged in great celebrations with him. They were at a wedding with him. They, they, they engaged in life with Jesus for three full years. And then on one fateful night, they abandoned him. They left him alone as, as he went to the hill, as he went to Golgotha, and he was 
executed for us. These disciples, these apostles, were those that Peter, I mean, that Jesus specifically chose of Jesus Christ. He's writing a letter to the Christians who live by faith. And we're going to get to their culture in a second, but as Christians who live by faith, who are called to be holy, even though they live in a pagan culture with deceptive practices and hopeless pursuits. Does that sound familiar to us? Do we live in a culture that has, that is pagan, that, that, that doesn't, no longer, that is not Christian, that is pagan, that has all kinds of mixtures of religions in it? Is that part of our culture nowadays? Yes. Is it deceptive in its practices? Absolutely. Right? Say yes. Okay, if you don't know it, it is. The enemy of the world seeks to deceive you and its practices say, if you do this, you'll be happy. If you win this, you'll be, you'll be filled with... That's where your joy is going to come from. That's where your happiness is going to come from. That's its deceptiveness and hopeless pursuits. You know, if you just climb the right ladder, you'll be okay. If you just marry the most beautiful person, you'll be fine. If, if, if you just get the right education, work at the work, great job, whatever you do, you'll be fine. So it's hopeless pursuits. This letter is to Christians who live by faith. So if you live by faith, we're going to participate in this letter. Paul, so Peter starts it off with some great encouraging thing. You have been chosen by God the Father to be obedient to Jesus Christ through the Son. And so if you see this, it says, um, let me get the right color. It says um, this, chosen by God of the Spirit, by Jesus Christ. You have all three of the triune nature of God there. God chose you. And the, and the beauty of his triune nature, you have been chosen by God. You are not an accident, in other words, church. You're not here just because you made a decision. You're here because the Holy Spirit pulled you in. And, and you looked at that, and you received it, and you said, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. And then Peter says this, you have been born again. You have been born again. See, Peter says that, that you used to live in the old lifestyle of hopeless pursuits, but today... Today, you have been born again. What? Been born again, born what? Into a living hope. Your hope is not a statue. Your hope is is not static. It is living. Church, I'm going to repeat this, and I need an amen because Jesus is alive. Your hope is living. Okay, that was really weak. I think alive alive Jesus Christ is going, really? Really? I change their life, I put my spirit in them, and I get an amen. That's what I get. Are you ready to do it again? You are born into a living hope. Amen. Ah, man, God dwells within you. God has given you that hope that is not dead. You've been born into an inheritance that is shielded by faith, and that is protected by his power. Amen. amen. It's going to get better, Peter says. Peter says you need to live with different values than the earthbound values of the world. You need to abstain from the desires that wage war against your soul. See, you have been born again, right? You, you know this living hope and, 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 and the deceptive values of the world. Well, they want to say, fill me. And so Peter says, get rid of it. The verse is, is so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceptiveness, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. And so church... Part of the evil ways of the deceptiveness of the world, you need to get rid of it. Your old ways of getting even, you need to get rid of them. Your old ways of deceiving others so that you look better, so that other people think better of you, you need to get rid of them. Your old ways of pretending to be good, pretending to be good while actually being a rotten person. 
Amen? No. <laughs> Not one of you said, okay, amen to that. Um, but it is true. All of us have sinned, and, and, and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are rotten at a time. And, you know, there are times in which we just need to say, I am a rotten sinner. And, and I thank Jesus Christ for dying for my sins, for giving me new life, and for giving me a living hope. Thank you. Your old ways of speaking evil against others, ruining the reputation, that needs not be part of your life. Quit it. So get rid of it. Stop it. Forget it. Quit it. That's, that's what we need to do, church, because, because all of a sudden Peter is writing to a culture into which that's how they lived. They lived in the way in which they got even. And so, so you wronged me, I'm just going to wrong you twice as much. Road rage, we call it. We call it, we call it, you know, jumping on somebody who jumps you back. We call it, we call it, you know, going over the top to get retribution. You need to stop it. Stop deceiving other people. Stop lying. Start speaking truth in love. We need to stop pretending to be Mr. and Mrs. Perfect Christian, and we need to say, yeah, sometimes, you know, whenever you share some ugliness in your life, people don't condemn you. What they do is they come alongside of you. And when you share light into a dark spot in your heart, Believe it or not, the light illuminates that, and, and, and all of a sudden you become more accepted. Ask anybody who's gone to the, trip, the AA club. Ask anybody who's, who's walked through Alcoholics Anonymous, and they walk in there and, and they hear people say, Hi, my name is Paul. I'm an alcoholic. One time I had to go to an AA meeting, and, and I've never struggled with alcoholism. And I walk into the alcohol meeting, and I'm feeling very, it's for class, I'm feeling very self-conscious because... I think everybody there thinks I'm going to be an alcoholic. <laughs> and so everybody says, hi, I'm Bill, I'm an alcoholic, and, I, and I, I'm just listening, learning, and, and I think that's a great thing to do. And then I said, I have to say, hi, my name's Paul. And they all look at me like, yeah, right. What else about you, Paul? And, and you know, but I could have said, I'm Paul, I'm a sinner. I have screwed up just as bad as the rest of you all, but it's not over alcoholism. You know, church, maybe we could be a little more honest with each other and we could share some of the challenges that we've gone through. And for you who have gone through AA, I admire you, I respect you, because you, you've conquered a beast that, that has done it. You need to abstain from the evil desires, and then you need to abstain from evil in the public arena of your community. Peter is telling him, and he's going to tell him four things we need to to the passage in a moment. We need to abstain. And so this means submit to all human authority, respect everyone, respect the king. And April 15th is coming up. And you've all done your taxes, and you've all said, wow, those new tax laws aren't as good as they used to be, are they? And poor Patricia over here, she's trying to help people just navigate the changes that have happened. But, but you know, judgments against you. you. You need to obey the laws. You need to pay your taxes. I actually have an aunt in Northern California who hasn't paid taxes for years. One day she's going to get in deep trouble. Because she belongs to this weird club that thinks, that, oh, that, you know, taxes are unconstitutional and you can't do that. And then you think, wow. Okay, Casey, <laughs> I'll visit you. Um, what if you get a jury duty summons? And you think, well, I don't need to go to jury duty. What if you get a ticket? Well, I don't need to pay the ticket. You need to submit to all human authority. Respect everyone. Respect the king. As long as it's a moral issue. I'm not talking about if the government tells you to do something immoral. I'm talking about if the government requires you to pay taxes, you pay them. Three, abstain from evil in the personal area of the work environment. And so he begins, he ends chapter 2 with this issue of slaves and masters. And I want us to put that in the realm of how do you do work? 
How do you work? And so when we think of that, he says in this area, he says, slaves, submit to your masters. And, and submit has this two-pronged idea. It's a word that you kind of probably innately think about when you think of submit. You think, oh, that's, that's a military term. You need to submit to the commander. And the commander says, go, you go. Because that, you, you voluntarily said, I'm going and I'm going. And a lot of preachers and a lot of pastors in history have said, you know, that's also what wives need to do. Their husbands, they need, he's the master, he's the, he's the leader, he's the, he's the authoritarian in the family, and he says, go, and you go. And unfortunately, a lot of people have used the passage in 1 Peter 3 as a passage that has justified the abusing of women. I'll get to there in a minute. But we're talking about church, we're talking about work. How do you do at work? Submit. This is from the Bible Dictionary, Thayer's Bible Dictionary. It says, a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying the burden. What if, as an employee, you submit to your boss? Think about this. If you submit to your boss, you do what your boss tells you to do. Your boss says you need to do this, and you just submit. You said, okay, I'll do it. We have the options. If you don't like what your boss tells you to do, you can go find another job. The unemployment rate's pretty low right now. You could probably go find something else. But please do it as a Christian. And, and in this culture, they didn't like Christians. In this culture, bad people, not good. And Peter is saying your walk and the way that you carry yourself and the way that you interact with culture will be a huge testimony to who Jesus is. You need to do what your boss tells you to do as long as it's not immoral. You need to cooperate with your company's policies and procedures. I've been a boss for a long time. And sometimes, when I used to work at another company, I had people that thought, well, you know, I don't always have to clock in on time, do I? Oh, why do I have to do that? Why do I have to, why do I have to clock in? And so the clock was divided um, four sections, and they started at 8 o'clock. They needed to be there by 8, like, oh, 05. And they'd get mad at me for docking them because they got there at 8, 08. But you're not bigger and you're not better than your company's policies and procedures. Follow them, church. Because, because through your good deeds, through your good deeds and how you do it, that's going to be a testimony about God to them on the day of judgment. But if they see Christians always being late, always being untimely, always missing deadlines, and they know that you're a Christian, they're going to think you're just like everybody else. They aren't going to see that there's a difference that God makes in your life because of your faith in him. You need to assume responsibility. Assume responsibility. Don't just work there to clock in and clock out, but take responsibility to meet the company's goals, the company's values, the company's direction of the success of the company. Take on that responsibility. Say, I can do that. Imagine what would happen if you, as an employee, said, I can do that. I I can step in. I can do that. I can take charge. I can take responsibility. I, I can help with that. And then carry the burden. As a boss, many times, it'd be great if an employee comes in and says, Paul, can I do something for you to help? Can I participate with you? Can I, can I help make that burden lighter for you? We've got a goal. We've got an objective. We've got a mission. We've got a value. And I think the same things apply as a church, if you will. You know, sometimes church, we need to do what God tells us to do. We need to leave us to do. Last week, we talked about being on mission. We need to be on mission. There's no such thing as a secret agent in Christendom. And I think we have a lot of secret agent Christendoms in here. 
We need to cooperate with the company's policies and procedures. I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine last week, and you know, they said there's a difference between the church being a, a gathering of people versus the church being the body of Christ. If the church is just a simple gathering of people, you don't have to come to it. It's just a place that they gather, and if you're not there, that's okay. But if the church is a body, and you're an organ in that body, you've, the body won't be healthy unless you're there. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? Oh. So church, you're part of the body of Christ. You're not part of the gathering of Christ. Each person here is valuable. Each person here has, has significance. Each person here is part of this organism of the body of Christ. Assume your responsibility. Responsibility, be part of the mission. Help when help is needed. Carry the burden of helping the church, helping the mission, helping the word of God go forth. And now we move into this. Peter says this, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable to God. To this you were called because Christ's example that you should follow in his steps. And then Peter uses this phrase. It's called, in the same way. In the same way. He's going to talk about slaves. Obey your masters. Actually, slaves, submit to your masters. In the same way. Wives, submit to your husbands. In the same way. Implied in the Greek. Husbands, submit to your wives. Ah! How dare I say something like that? Right? Okay, so, so my question for us this morning is, what is your faith life like behind closed doors? When the doors are shut and you let your guard down. Faith life like. What is your faith like? Will those people who are closest to you, those people who love you, who are intimate with you, will, will they know? See, it's easy to be a good worker out in the community. Oh yeah, that person's a Christian. It's easy actually to be it at work and say, okay, I'm a Christian, I'll just follow the procedures. But when there are no procedures to follow, when there is no direction given, how do you live your faith? Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Wives, in the same way, see here's that phrase again, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own. That if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. And when they see your purity and reverence of your lives, I'll get into the culture aspects of this in a second. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold, jewelry, or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight, for this, for this is the way the holy women of old or of the past put their hope in God to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right, and do not give way to fear. Let me talk a little bit about the wives, and then I'll get into the husbands in a second. In that life, in that community, there was something called the patafamilia. That is the dad, the husband of the family, the leader of the pack. And in the society, in that culture, he had all the rights and all of the authorities. 
what he said went. And very few times it would be overridden. And wives, they, had, they were like, almost like property. They had no value. They had no rights. They had no authority. Slaves had no rights and no authorities. Children, it was only the husband who gave dictates and edicts in the life. In fact, in this general area of Greece being taken over by the Roman area, in this general area, it was the husband, they would, a, a woman, would, a wife would have a baby. And then she would lay the baby at the feet of the husband. And if the husband wanted to keep the child, then the child was theirs. But if the husband did not want to keep the child, and then the wife would take that child, most often the girl, and it would take it out to um, a wall or to an area where they would just leave the child to die of exposure or to be eaten by animals. And you know what? It is the Christians in early in that earlier, it is the, that started to adopt those babies. That started to say those babies are precious and they are created by God. And it was the Christian church, ultimately, that helps change the culture of the church. But it does it through love and through compassion on the weakest. Wives, in general, were expected to follow the religious practices of their husbands. There'd be a marriage, and, and the wife... The, when she was the daughter, would generally follow her dad's religious practices. Then when he'd get married, generally, the wife would come and she'd follow the husband's religious practices. But watch what happens, church, when things change. A wife was also the person responsible for the raising of the children. That was her. Now, this is a wife. And I told you earlier, wives, I mean women, generally didn't have any authority. Look at how men would treat women in general. Here's a quote from a writer. He once said this, we have mistresses for sexual pleasure, prostitutes for the daily service of our bodies, and wives to bear us legitimate children to be faithful guardians of our household. How would you like to live in that kind of culture, women? Where your sole entire value and purpose is to raise children, more specifically, probably to raise boys. And rather, if you raised a girl, that was fine, but, but that's about it. Your value was your children, and that was about it. I learned about the wives and the secretive cult behaviors. Remember, I said that the wife would come in and from her dad's to her husband's, but then sometimes some women would use a different religion to start having different kind of worship services, and some involving wine and sexuality. Here's a quote from a guy who was alive during a time. He describes a wicked, a wicked, shameful, mean, unchaste wife who used her worship of an invented, sacrilegious God as an excuse to engage in wine and sex. Read that next sentence. The wife, it has been argued, represents a Christian. What did they... So this wife, this wife would come and, and she would start worshiping at another place and they thought that she was using wine and, and, and just having random sex with all kinds of guys. And now we get back to the passage. Now the passage makes more sense. Now the passage is starting to address things. Now the passage is saying, in the same waves, wives, submit to your husbands. If, um, if any of them do not believe, they may be won over. How? How are they going to win them over? Through the behavior of the wives. You're not running off. And you're not like those other women that are running off to this weird cult and, having, and getting drunk and, and having orgies and sex. Instead, husband, and, and, your create, and the way you interact with him. 
Would that not be a huge dynamic change in a relationship? Absolutely it would. And when they see your purity and the reverence of your lives, these husbands would go, I don't know what that church is teaching, but other men, their wives have run off and done things like that. My wife, she's, she's, she's great. She's helping. Where other wives are, are being abusive, she's helping, she's encouraging, she's supporting. And that's what it means by wives submit to your husbands. Give into your husbands, wives. Give into your husbands. Cooperate with your husbands in the process of, of moving forward, assuming responsibility in your marriage, wives. And this isn't just for those who are married, but those who, who potentially will be married. Assume the responsibility in your marriage. Don't blame the, all the problems on him. Assume the responsibilities that you bring in some things to your marriage as well. And then carry the burden of helping the marriage thrive. Wives, you get to carry the burden of helping Marriage is not a 50-50 thing. You guys know that, right? It is not 50%. I give 50%, she gives 15%. Therefore, whoa, we got 100%. No, you've got to be 100% in. You've got to put all the chips on the table. You've got to say everything in this marriage is his and everything in this marriage is hers. 100% both of you. And helping make sure the marriage is happening. Because the text says this. Husbands, if you don't do it in the same way, your prayers will not be answered. Oh, no. Husbands, husbands, this is to the husbands. Look at that. In the same way, be considerate, think, and then treat. The same way would be the same idea as submit. Implied is the idea the husbands submit to their wives. Did you know that Abraham, the one that was mentioned in like verse 4, Abraham was told by God to listen to his wives. <laughs> you got it, church. See? See, twice, in fact, twice, in fact, to listen to his wife. It is not a one-way road. It is a mutual respect, a mutual love for one another. Stop waiting until the other person gets it right. Step forward and interact in a way that is submissive to the other person. Men, so that your prayers will not be hindered, so that nothing will stop your prayers, your relationship with your wife, be it good, means your prayers will be answered. Your relationship with your wife, if you're hindering her growth spiritually, hindering who she is, your prayers will not be answered. Husbands, in the same way, with the warning, give in to your wives. I'm not getting any amen from the men. Wives, Cooperate, husbands. You need to cooperate with your wives. Husbands, you need to assume responsibility in your marriage. It isn't all her job. Everything in the house isn't all hers. You've got to work with it. You've got to cooperate. You need to assume the responsibility of your marriage and husbands. You need to carry the burden of helping the marriage thrive. Husbands, the marriage isn't all her work, and you just work 8 to 5, and you come home, and you're tired, you watch TV, and then you look at the March Madness, and you play the, you play the things, and, and you're gone. Wives, it isn't all his, it's yours, and mutual submission of both one to another. And that's the marriage, where you're growing with each other, growing for each other, growing towards each other. That's what you look for. Be holy, Peter writes, because I am holy. Holy means you're separate. Holy means you're set apart. Holy means you're, you're useful for God for a noble purpose. Church of Jesus Christ. Men and women, married and single. It doesn't matter if you're single, you still need to be holy. If you're married, you need to be holy. And if you're not married, you're not single, I don't know what you are. 
<laughs> what are you? I don't know. I'm married or I'm single. Practice your faith in the public arena. Church of Jesus Christ. Here's the application. Three of them. Practice your faith in the public arena so that others will see and testify. That's what Peter was saying. When you, when you as a whole, and they say that you're a Christian, you're, this is your neighbor, this is your, your, your person that you interact with at the gas station that's in, that says, how is that person's faith different? Why? You've got a joy on your face instead of a sorrow. You're going through a lot, but you're practicing it in a public arena. Number two, practice your faith in the personal arena. So that you're your boss. This is for your roommate. This is for other people that are close to you. Your teacher, if you're a student, they will see that you're different. They will see that you walk with God. They will know and understand because they are living in a deceptive, they are living in a deceitful world. And church, practice your faith in the private arena. Behind closed doors, or wife will know that it is true. That's what you need to do. Your faith your faith is most tested at home. Can you live out your faith at home? Can your joy be just as good at the office as it is at home? I know of people, I've counseled people where, where the last place on earth they want to go to after they get off work is home. Because when they get home, all they're going to do is be berated and told how bad they are, told how much they fail, told how much, how much things aren't working well. And here's a list of stuff to do instead of Boy, I'm really glad to see you. How can we cooperate together? How can we work together? How can we be together? As good at home as it is outside of home. And Peter is calling on us to be on mission. On mission to be people who are faith-filled in the public, in the personal, and in the private arena. Can we do that this week, church? So this week, you've got a couple of assignments. You need to... Have your faith on display. You're not a secret service Christian. You're a public Christian. So you need to have your faith on display at work. You need to have your display faith on display in the public arena. And then you need to have your faith on display at home. And by that, when you do that, you'll be able to invite friends to Kids Day. You like that? See how that works? Yeah, they're, they're out, they're out, they're out. Maybe they see a kid and they can invite them in. Okay. Um, invite kids to that, you can invite your family to church, and your family's going to want to come to church because they see a difference in you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to pray. Lord, I pray for us as a church that we would be on task to do what you have called us to do. In your precious name, Jesus, we ask. Amen.